Hi, Maggie here, and as a vocal coach, it is my privilege and honor to work with passionate singers just like yourself. If you love to sing, but maybe believe that you're not good enough yet, that you can't really learn to sing those high or low notes without hoarseness, or maybe you struggle with insecurities, well, then this podcast is for you. During our time here together, you'll get tips, tricks, and motivation to grow as a singer, develop your voice, and make your big singing dreams come true. So, ready to take your singing to the next level? Let's go! Hi, and welcome to this very special episode. And I know I do say that quite often (laughs) when we have a guest on, but today's guest is really an amazing woman who will talk about intuition, perfectionism, purpose, and all of those beautiful topics that we get to use as singers as well. Nicole is an incredible woman. She's got her own podcast called The School of Self-Worth. She has an amazing journey that she talks into the episode as well. She shares how intuition has helped her to really create her dream life. And I think as singers, We can all learn from that because we all have big dreams, right? Otherwise, we would not be here. And um, it's, it's seeing that dream and listening, daring to listen to that dream that might be challenging sometimes. Now, I know that some of you might roll your eyes when you're hearing terms like dreams and intuition and purpose. Those are big Maybe some people would even call it woo-woo terms, which is totally fine. I feel like there's two kinds of singers listening to this podcast. And one kind is all the singers that love these kinds of topics. And then there's the singers who want to have the practical stuff and the vocal techniques. And um, in this episode, I really try to bring those two together. And Nicole does such a great job. And then especially at the end of our conversation, we're talking about the four critical pieces for every high achiever. And that's that's really you, you listening to this podcast. You're a high achiever because you want to have something. Anyway, we're talking about those four critical pieces required to go from pleasing perfectionism to powerful and purposeful. And I think what Nicole shared there was really, um, um, it's, 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 it's gold, what she shared. And also she shared a little exercise also all the way at the end around how you can train your intuition within your singing practice, which I think is an amazing tool to have also leading up to performances or auditions or, or anything in your singing journey that you're going after. So I am very excited about this conversation. Nicole is an amazing human being. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Nicole Tong. Hi, Nicole. So good to have you here. Thank you for joining us here. Hi, Maggie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting this invitation and having this wonderful talk together. Let's kick it off. Can you, for the people that might not know you in my audience, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What do you do? What lights you up? What do you stand for? Um, Yeah, of course. So I'm Nicole Song. I am a work-life balance expert who helps high-achieving women release perfectionism and step into their intuition and their purpose. And That's like sort of like the capsule version of me. I feel like there's so many other things. Like I'm a dog mom. I love plants. I live in Seattle, Washington. I used to be a yoga teacher. I retired 
last year after 13 years of teaching yoga. So like yoga and movement is totally my jam. I used to write a fitness column for the Seattle Times. So those are kind of like just a few little nuggets about me. And I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into like my whole journey, but that's just like the, I think the place to start. And then I know Maggie from being in the entrepreneurial world with her together. And I've been a full-time entrepreneur for five years. Yeah, that's amazing. And I saw that you you wrote three books as well. So you're yes. a writer. Yes. Yeah, I'm a writer. So I um I was a journalist for many years. So that's kind of where my journey really began into what I teach and what I coach. Um, and I started out as a journalist because I was a writer and I was uh I was a comparative literature major in college. And the very natural thing is like figure out a job that involves writing and pays you a salary of some sort. And so I went with journalism because it seemed like kind of glamorous and kind of cool and interesting. And then I became very passionate about it. And I was really into journalism and like climbing the ladder of that career, which is like a very specific ladder where you go from small newspapers to bigger newspapers. And Mm -hmm. so I was climbing that ladder in my twenties. And then I had one of those moments where you're just like, it's just one of those things you could never have predicted or expected in your life. And it came when I was actually covering Catholic sex abuse. And so I had been pulled off of my main, uh, my main beat to do this project. And it's like a big deal in journalism. When you get pulled off onto a project, it's very prestigious. And I was really young and I was like, oh my gosh, like they like me, they want me to do this. I felt really proud. And then I also was plunged into, as you can imagine with the topic, like a pretty traumatic experience talking to people about who are victimized by Catholic priests. Mm -hmm. And so I was really getting close to this one family that we were working on. And it was like, it felt very exciting. It felt really impactful to be able to do it. And then when the story came out, we won all of these awards and it was like, oh, so amazing. Like it felt like I was really changing the world. And then a year after everything started, one of the victims died by suicide. And so that moment, yeah, that moment in my life was like, oh, like that. I still, you know, I remember exactly where I was in the newsroom when I got the news. And it was so like, I just like this total blur, like came over my head. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I don't even know what this like, like what's happening in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And then through that experience, which was really deeply stressful and upset and like horrifying actually on many levels for me personally, I realized, and that was the time where I started to understand, or at least hear my intuition saying to me, like, this is not for you. Like not, not even like that story, but just journalism is not for you. But I didn't really know what was talking to me at that time. And I was like, I just need to switch topics. And so I did, like, I just switched into politics. I covered the Senate, a Senate race and I covered Congress. And then I moved to Seattle. My friends all joke, cause I actually came to Seattle to cover home and decor. And my friends always said like from the Senate to lamps. And I was like, yeah. well, yes. <laughs> so like, I really did. But I thought that that transition would make me happy or work better or make my life work better. But what I found was I I was happier for a little while. And then the newsroom was going through layoffs. And then they wanted to move me back into the main newsroom to cover the weekends again, to cover the police beats and all that stuff. And I was just like, no more. And then so that was like the first time I really started to understand and want to take control of my life in a different way and start to create my life in a totally different trajectory. So that's kind of like the really beginning of my story was like that experience and then understanding how to live a life where I actually felt content and peaceful and was following my intuition and feeling like I knew who I was. Oh, I love that you're talking about this because this touches exactly on the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you. Although it might seem that we're talking to very different people, 
you're working with high achieving career women and I'm working with singers. Um, this is, I think, where our two worlds meet. And that's the idea of living a life of purpose, living and listening to your intuition. And for many singers, singing is a way for them to create their own life and live how they want to live and create that track. So tell me more about this. How did you evolve from being in that place of, I want to create my own life? What happened after that? Like, did you make any special decisions? Like how, where did it go from there? Well, before I figured it out, there was a lot of crying and like a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stress and challenge because I didn't really understand what that meant. Like I knew I needed to leave the paper, but I didn't really know how to, like, I was very confused by any of those things. And so during that time, I was like just doing all the normal things. So I was actually applying to like communications jobs, which is like a very common post-journalism job. And at that time, actually, one of my friends and I were both finalists for this one job that I thought was like a perfect job. And then, of course, she got it and I did not. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I have no idea. I have no idea. And the only thing in my life that I actually really loved was yoga. But in my head, I was kind of like, there's no way. And I feel like the singers can probably relate to this. I was like, this job doesn't pay. Like I'd have to be on my own. This is kind of crazy. Nobody from journalism becomes a yoga teacher. And especially back then, this was like more than a decade ago, like it was very not common. Uh -huh. Right. And so I was like, I don't know how to do this. But I just had to keep following that call. And so I went to yoga teacher training, which was really the beginning for me of like a deeply spiritual transformational, like understanding of who I was. Mm -hmm. And that was really the trajectory that started me on the pathway that led me to where I am now. But a lot of it was really also learning to, and during this time, yoga was really helping me regulate my nervous system. So learning to stay grounded and calm in the midst of deep challenge, because I still had my job at the paper for another, I think, close to two years after I decided to leave after that layoff experience mm -hmm. where I was still working, but they moved me around in the newspaper. So I would say that that was like the first piece was letting yoga be this really anchoring space for me to regulate my nervous system, to breathe deeply, to feel present. And then during that time, that was when I started to understand like that's how I needed to listen in a different way. And then during those trainings, I started to really distinctly hear a voice that I had never really spent time listening to before, which is very quiet and very still, but when it speaks is really powerful. And I was like, oh, there is something talking to me and telling me that you need to do this. But of course it was super terrifying because I had to let go of healthcare. I had to let go of my retirement plan, like all the sort of financial structures and I'm going to air quote like security that I was used to was going to go away with this choice. Yeah. And so it was a really big leap in terms of when I finally made the decision to go, I had, you know, I was teaching on the side and it was like kind of building up my savings. I was like trying to build as much of a security cushion as I could before I actually left. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want to dive into that because you're describing this voice mm -hmm. that is very quiet, but very powerful when you listen to it. For the singers listening that might not be so familiar with the whole idea of intuition, I got like two. Well, yeah, I feel like in my audience, there's two different kinds of singers listening. The ones who want to have all the vocal techniques and want to have the actionable stuff. And then you have the ones who love the mindsets and love these kinds of topics fixing conversations. And I do want to bring those two worlds together. But for someone who is a very beginner in those things, 
and might not be used to listening to that voice? What would be some kind of advice you want to give that person? Or how do you even start to recognize that voice? Yeah, such a good question, Maggie. And the first place I always want people to look is understanding what intuition is not. And for most of us, we think that intuition is like that little voice that's always talking in your head, but that is actually not your intuition. That is like this overthinking. I think of it as like a lower personality voice that's always criticizing you or telling you you're not good at it or wants you to do it better. And it's like, you're never going to make it like that voice. And that is not your intuition. Like your intuition is never going to criticize you. Your intuition doesn't even operate on that level. And so when you can start to understand and first, and if you're not even aware that the voice is talking, like your first job is to figure out and understand and recognize that there's this little voice that's constantly just commentary all day long and separating that out and understanding and distinguishing that it exists and then understanding that listening to that voice is the voice that is going to keep leading you down the place of being afraid, not taking chances, not taking risks or putting yourself out in a different level. So that's the first place to start. Mm-hmm. So the that's, I think, what I call the inner critic, the voice that mm-hmm. keeps on saying, you're not good enough. Who are you to do this? All those mm-hmm. things. We hear that all the time as, as creative beings. <laughs> So um, could intu- intuition also be a visual thing? Because I feel like listening to you speak, mm. for me, I sometimes see images pop in my head. And then I'm wondering, oh, would, would that be my intuition then? Yeah, absolutely. I say I think your intuition is actually highly visual. And for a lot of people, they actually have trouble putting words to their intuition because they see pictures rather mm. than being able to hear. I'm a really, I'm a word person. You can probably imagine from the journalism. And so I hear my intuition speak, but I also, I think first had to see the pictures to get the other voice to be quiet. Like when I see a picture that's really clear, that's my intuition, that other voice gets really silent because it's so strong to see that picture. And then now for me, I really hear it through words, but both of those really work. Interesting. Is there a way to train that so that you can filter it out between the inner, like the critical voice and your intuitive voice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really what I work with people on is how do you start to understand, distinguish first what I experience in general, and this is true for, I think most people, not just our audiences, but that most people are really highly stressed these days. And I feel like you know, I think about my early days teaching yoga and I was like, man, the stress now is so much more intense for people. Mm. And I think it's because of our devices and our phones and we live in such an, a, a connected electronic world. And I see for, even for myself too, it's like, I am on social media all the time for work and I have to be really clear on those boundaries with it because it's so easy to get overwhelmed and anxious and in this comparison all the time from what you see online. And so when people are in stress and anxiety, you cannot hear your intuition in that place. And so first, so the first step is to really learn to take that down and to really start to get yourself into a calmer, more grounded place. And then you can start to hear it more frequently. Because the thing is your intuition actually has probably spoken to you many times over your life. But the cle- one thing to understand too, though, and this sometimes comes, comes in for people is that intuition is not the same as like a gut check reaction. And some people get this confused. Like they have an old story or an old experience and they get a reaction where they're like, oh, and they think that that's their intuition and it's not. So it can be a little complex. Like you can really train yourself into your intuition and really develop fluency in it. But a lot of it requires you to understand all these experiences that are not actually your intuition speaking. 
Mm, oh my God, this is so interesting. I'm going to play, I don't know if, if you say this in English, the advocate of the devil for a moment. <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> so for singers that are still not convinced of how powerful it is to listen to your intuition, why is it important for them to train this skill in your opinion? You know, when we, I see it from, I'm going to share a story about the first time I really followed it because I did okay. follow it to leave the paper, but I'm going to give another example because this is how it works. And this is when it gets really, really cool. So I had left the paper and then I was working for a yoga company. I was teaching 10 yoga classes a week and I was also writing a fitness column for the Seattle Times. So I had like a very full life yeah. and I, my intuition very clearly said to me, Hey, Nicole, it's time to write a book. And I was kind of like, write a book. I don't have time to write a book. I don't want to write a book. I'm not interested in writing a book, but it was like actually quite insistent. And so I was at that time in my life, really starting to pay more attention to it. And so I said, okay, if I do this, the only way I can do this is I have to quit the yoga company job, which was half of my income. And then also my healthcare, which in America, for the Americans listening, like really important for us. Right. And so I was like, I don't know that I can do this. Like, this is really scary. Like this is terrifying in fact, but I also at that point knew better than to not listen. And so I actually, I was like, okay, here I go. So I quit the yoga company job. I increased my yoga teaching. And then I started researching on the internet. How do you get a book deal? Like, how do you write a proposal? And I had no idea. So I had like one day a week. I remember I would on Tuesdays, I would sit down and I would Google and I would just like, Google, what do you That's do? Dedication. Yeah. And then, and then I would like write on those days and then I would Google and then I took a writing class and I was like at sea, like I had no idea what to do. Um, three months after I quit the yoga company job, I received an email in my inbox from a publisher in Seattle that said, Hey, Nicole, we really loved your column. And we actually are interested in talking to you about writing a yoga book series with us. And I was like, weird. Is that what happens? Like you just get this email in your inbox. And of course my logical mind was like, I think I'm going to write a memoir. I don't want to write books about yoga. And then of course, like a smart friend said, well, that was kind of funny. Like you said, you wanted to write a book and then you just got a book deal in your inbox. And I was like, you're right. I should probably pursue this. And so I did. And that's how I got my first books, which is yoga for hikers and yoga for climbers. But I have found that that is actually what happens when you actually really pay attention to your intuition, you start to get these really amazing, cool, miraculous things. And it led to my third book and my books have opened so many doors in so many different ways in my life. And I'm really grateful and proud of my experience working on those books. And so, you know, when it, it comes strong like that, there's always something on the other side. So now I just always listen because I never know what's going to unfold. Mm, I love that. So it's kind of like your guidance in life, like the lights, it lights up the path to take. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. And that's such a powerful thing to say. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times, and especially with singers, you know, I don't know what you all are pursuing in terms of like, you're wanting to be on certain stages or if you're wanting to perform just like with family, like whatever you might be wanting to sing, but I'm sure that you have some kind of dream around it. And that when you follow your intuition to follow that dream, that's when the dreams start to appear and come true mm -hmm. and like become real versus just dreams that you have in your head. And I always know for a fact that every time I follow my intuition, 
because I have a dream, like I hear a dream, like I get that intuitive hit and then I follow the dream, that dream always gives me something. Like it may not be actually what I expected, but it always gives me something really cool. And it always gives me something that I needed to receive. And it was like time for me to receive like my yoga books, which led to my third book or whatever that pathway is, you know? And so like now I'm working on my fourth book, but because I have those other three books, like it was really easy for me to find an agent, which isn't the case necessarily for most people. So those are all like, it's always leading somewhere and you just don't know where it's leading you. So when you follow your intuition, it's going to take you somewhere really cool. I appreciate you saying that because what you just touched on about singers having dreams and goals Yes, they they do. And oftentimes they're already trying to figure out the whole path towards that goal or towards that dream. Now, I'm not saying that having those milestones to get somewhere is not necessary, but how you describe it is that you let your intuition guide your way. So you're you're really just trusting that the goal is there, the dream is there, and now I just have to listen to my intuition to see how I'll get there. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly right. And I always love, cause like with my clients, like they get really hung up on the how. Yeah. I mean, I work with these like hyper analytical women who like work in these big careers and they're leaders and managers uh-huh. and like all this stuff, right? And they're so analytical and yet they understand. I mean, by the time most people reach me, they understand there is a limit to that analytical side. And yeah. yeah, it can be very hard to let go of it because all of us, me too, like I come from the super smart world. Like I come from journalism. Like your job is literally to analyze data and facts and digest it to communicate it to people. And so I really understand that that desire to be like, please tell me how. Yes. And I've had those moments like that three months before I got that book deal in my inbox, like hanging out like I have no idea what I'm doing and I know I'm supposed to be doing this is it going to take me five years to write a book but in fact it only took me a year and a half after quitting that job for my books to come out and so you just have no idea Mm, that's so beautiful so let's I want to shift gears into what you were talking about that you're working with high achievers Um, I'm sure there are some high achievers in my audience as well like the singers you know, you have the hobby singers, people that love to sing in the shower or in the car. But the most most of the singers that I actually work with are singers that actually want to achieve something, right? So what would you define as someone being a high achiever? Like, how do I know if I'm a high achiever or not? Yeah, that's such a good question. I, I think of high achiever as somebody who just wants something for themselves and is willing to go for it. I mean, sometimes I feel like for my women, they can be kind of trained into that achieving because they have the perfectionism. And so they have compensated their whole lives by like crushing goals to prove their worth in the world. You know, so mm-hmm. self-worth is like a big piece of that. Yep. But I also think of high achievers as anybody who just like wants something more like they're mm-hmm. and they're willing to go for it. I think the achievers tend to be people who like want to be in action or want to try to make the change. And I think also it's just anybody who really has that dream. They're like, there's something inside of me and I know there's more that I have to contribute in the world. And so that to me is like an achiever. That's beautiful. That's exactly the kind of people that listen to this podcast. (laughs) High achieving singers. Love it. Okay. So (laughs) you touched on the idea of perfectionism and that is definitely something that the singers I work with also tend to struggle with. So what is your magical potion there? How how do you overcome that? 
Oh my gosh. I wish there was such a magical potion that one day we're perfectionism is gone forever. <laughs> so, saying the entrepreneurs on this line too. Right. And so, um, you know, I feel like we do a lot of work, you know, perfectionism comes as a compensation for lack of self-worth. And I have my podcast is called School of Self-Worth. And it's really specifically around that because I find for so many people in general, like feeling like you're not good enough or struggling with feeling like you're doing all you can in the world. And that is enough is a real challenge. And that's when the perfectionism comes in because it's like a way of proving your value. It's a way of saying like, yes. I have done everything that I can. So now I should really be loved. Like this is the way to really receive that. And it can be really challenging for all of us. You know, I think all of us have experiences from childhood, from society that teach us that we have to earn our worth and value in some way. And I see it happening and it can be outsourced into your work. Like my value is only coming from like how well I do, how high I climb the ladder. It can be outsourced to salary, um, it can be outsourced to your relationship status. It can be outsourced to your physical body. Is it like thin enough or athletic enough or whatever? So there's so many different ways I think that comes out. And then the perfectionism is trying to make sure that thing is intact. Like my relationship status or my body's image is a certain way to try to prove that you feel like you can have the life you want. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that insight about, self-worth because that's something that it's the first time I'm hearing this and I think it's really interesting because it is the root cause if you trace it all back so one thing that we talked about before starting this recording was the critical pieces required for every high achiever to go from that pleasing perfectionism to powerful and purposeful do you mind sharing one of yeah. those pieces? like I'm oh, very of course <laughs> For sure. Well, one of them I spoke about briefly at the beginning, um, which is regulating your nervous system and feeling grounded and clear every single day. I mm -hmm. find that no matter who you are, even people I know, and I know like the yoga world and they go to yoga because they actually need it. It's not because they are already grounded and clear every single mm -hmm. day, but they need that access to it. So regulating your nervous system. And I love that I'm talking to singers because I found out from Maggie that singing actually does do that. So you all have a leg up and then you sing. <laughs> And it's, you know, that deep breathing is helping you regulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, but the second critical piece, and this also goes back to the perfectionism, is actually shattering the stubborn blocks that are keeping you from feeling valuable and worthy in your life and feeling like you can actually tap into your intuition. And so those stubborn blocks can come from things you inherited from your parents. They can come from society. They can come, you know, like lots of different ways, whether you're a man or a woman. And like, I'm a woman of color. And so as a woman of color, I have had different blocks come in through my life. And so what are those things that are getting in the way for you and keeping you from really believing that you can actually have this powerful, purposeful life? Because I would say for myself, that was really true. Like I was a journalist, but that was my way of proving to the world that I was valuable and worthy yeah. rather than understanding that I inherently was. And once I could actually access that I was separate of my titles and separate of my work, had a lot of value and worth, that's actually when I started to change the way I lived my life. I started to actually pursue goals and to pursue things that felt really powerful to me. And like, they were really my calling. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to give the singer something tangible to do with it. This, this is a big one in, in our communities too, the, the blockages. And, and the first step, as you described, is having the awareness of what's holding you back. How did you find that awareness? Like, 
did you suddenly wake up one day and realize it? Like what could singers do to be aware of the things that are holding them back in their journeys? Mm. I would always look for the places where you're having a repetition. So for example, like if you're feeling reactive, so we are recording this around the holidays. I don't know when this will go out, but the holidays are a really, really good time to start to pay attention to this. So every single time this X happens. So like I, um, I just spent a week with my family and I was living with my dad and it's like every single time my dad did X and I would feel any kind of reaction in my body or I would feel upset over it or I'd like temper, like I always am so much more short tempered around my family. And so that's always my learning of like, okay, what block do I have around this relationship right now? Mm. So wherever you're seeing repetition is really important because that's showing you something that's showing you something that you haven't figured out and haven't worked through. And once you can recognize you have that pattern, then it's like, okay, now to take the steps of like, what do I need to do to help break that pattern? Because it's never really like, we like to blame other people sometimes for patterns and things occurring over and over again. But I really live in the world of understanding that you are responsible for your own emotional state. And so if your emotions are coming up and you're feeling angry or sad or whatever it is that's happening in that recurring repetitive pattern to do something to get yourself regulated first, like, like to come back to like, it could be go in the shower and sing, like go in the, you know, like do something like I actually love listening to music as a way to re-regulate myself. So I regulate myself first and then it's like, okay, how can I interact differently? How can I make a different choice in how I'm dealing with the situation versus being in that old reactive pattern? Thank you for sharing that. And I love that idea. This is actually also an exercise that I've done with a singer, I think it was like last week, and I gave him as homework, regulating his emotional state, because he he's someone who finds it difficult to take matters into his own hands when it comes to emotions. So what I made him do was make a list of songs linked to a specific emotion. So for example, happiness, those are the songs that make me happy. Sadness, those are the songs that make me sad. Angry, those are the songs that make me angry. And then whenever you feel that angriness, pick a song from the angry list and just sing it. And that really helps him to let go of that angriness or then move into happiness or move into peaceful and calmness. So I love that you're giving that example of go sing in the shower to regulate yourself because that's very closely tied together. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I love that. I was like, I want to take that. I mean, my people aren't singers typically, but they could be. And I was like, maybe they just need to go sing from a list. But I love that because I use music a lot too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, if you're feeling that challenging space, and this is the key, is that when you're feeling challenged is to not do anything about it. Because that's the hardest part, especially like around family, where you're feeling that reaction and then you just want to snap and do the thing you always do. Mm-hmm. The biggest leap is to be like, I'm going to pause and then I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go in the shower and sing, or I'm going to go listen to my list. And then I'm going to calm myself down and then I'm going to come back and return. And then when you calm down is actually when you have the opportunity to break the cycle. But if you keep doing it over and over again, that's when it keeps repeating itself. Yeah. That pause. So important. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So the first um, piece was regulating your nervous system. Yes. The second one is what we just talked about, which was overcoming those blockages. Mm -hmm. What is, what is the, another one? Yeah. So the second piece I think of is shattering stubborn blocks. And then the third one is elevating your Mm self-worth. 
And so this one is very much like shattering the blocks that are keeping you from thinking that you have that self-worth and then elevating your self-worth really involves you understanding and acknowledging who you are independent of everything that you do. So we're taking off the list, your marital status, your job, your health, like literally everything that you might use to make yourself feel worthy and to really understand at the heart of it, like your special sauce, like your spark, like who you are and that joy of who you are. And I have multiple systems I use for people to help people with this one, because I feel like this is also like understanding how, what success is, understanding yeah. what it feels like to feel worthy. Like I always think of it this way, like you could take away my business, you could take away my dog, my husband, my house and everything that I do. And I would know who Nicole is. Like I am clear on her and her ability and to navigate her life and to figure things out. Wow. But it is, right. When it is, it's such a big thing. And I think, you know, I went through a divorce a few years ago and like that was a big coming around of like, okay, there's this thing I really thought was like certain in my life. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And then, then I was like, and I actually forced myself to be like, okay, what else, if it took, if you took it away would be so like, Oh, really destabilizing. And for me, it was really my house and my dog. Mm. And so I was like, okay, Nicole, like, could you see, confront that, really take a hard look at it? And when I did, I was like, you know, it would be devastating on many levels. And I also was really clear that I would be okay because I know who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that to me is like, when you have deep self-worth, like, you know, you have gifts, you know, you're here for something and you're not dependent on external forces to remind you of who you are. Wow. And, and there's so many thoughts going through my head. I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to figure that out. Who am I? <laughs> so would a great place to start be to play with that question that you've just laid out of like, if you take everything away, what's left at the core of you? Would that be a good like starting place yeah. to mold this over? Yeah, it would be a really great, yeah, it is. And sometimes I think I don't want people to like go down into a ditch of like, I don't know, I'm spinning out. So like, please don't do that. But it's it's helpful to be like, who are you at the essence of who you are that mm -hmm. is independent of all these other things that you've done? And I think it's just a really useful place to examine like, okay, if you took away all the things that I've done and my successes and accomplishments, yeah, then who am I? And it's like, oh, like, and for me, it's actually a kind of simple too. It's like, well, I'm Nicole. Like I know who I am and that's all I need to know, but it can be challenging for us to get to that place to feel really comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And especially the thing you touched on about, I know I'm okay. I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Like with such certainty, oftentimes we, especially as singers, we find ourselves in, in places like performances where we find or we feel that anxiety or auditions and if you can go into those things knowing you're okay and that everything will be okay how you said that Nicole for me was very powerful because if we can take that energy into everything that we do as singers that will make us as well very very powerful and, and in our power Absolutely. And like, I'm a, I play violin. So like, I relate to that performance place. Yeah. Oh. Cause it's like, I mean, I don't play solo. So like I'm not in that, I'm uh -huh. in an orchestra, 
But it's like, I do relate to that sometimes where you're like, oh, I have to like, when, especially when I was young and I was learning, like I was always like, I have to play a certain way. And like, you know, you are literally ranked by like where you sit in the orchestra yeah. and being like, how, oh, like, how can I be separate from it? And now for me, like performing is just for joy. Like I just mm-hmm. really perform for joy. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, Nicole, you should practice because it would just like help the performance and not because I'm trying to prove anything because I'm in yes. the orchestra. But I'm just like, it would just make me feel good. Like I am doing the best that I can for this thing that I really love mm-hmm. to perform. And then when I can do it from that place, it, you know, it just helps me just be present when I'm performing versus worried about what's going mm-hmm. on. It's a very different energy to be in. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm practicing because I want to contribute this, this beautiful piece of music instead of I need to prove myself and it has to be all... Oh, such, such things that, you know, in our minds as singers, we all, all hear. So thank you for sharing that. It's definitely a jewel that you just shared with, uh, with the singers listening. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. well, uh, Nicole, this conversation has been amazing. I've got two more questions for you. The first one is where can people find you, reach out to you if they're inspired by your story, if they want to learn more about what you do? Tell me how they can connect with you. Yes, absolutely. You can reach me at NicoleSong.com is my website. And I'm also on social media under Nicole Song. So Instagram and TikTok are the two places I tend to play. So if you want to come hang out there, you know, shoot me a message. Or if you're, especially if you're curious about what it takes to understand the language of intuition in 30 days or less, you could just DM me intuition and we could have a conversation. Ooh, I might send you that DM myself. Yes. <laughs> you and I'll link to all of those things in the in the show notes as well um my last question is do you have anything else to add to this conversation that you think we have not covered yet oh well I wanted to pop in the fourth piece of that framework we were oh talking yes about. I thought there were only three <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> yes no well, yes well it's actually what we've been talking about but it's just those pieces all add up to intuition so the language of intuition yes. and really becoming fluent in it because while I've been speaking to it a lot from this big picture place and that's where a lot of people tend to go into it you can actually use your intuition every single day and I find it to be actually the most effective productivity tool like you save time you spend less time worrying about decisions you're not second guessing yourself and it has all these benefits of like simple and clear throughout your day. And so for me, intuition is not just about understanding the pathway that I'm on, even though it does provide that purpose. It also has these like little daily places where it just allows you to be in ease and what you're doing in your life and trusting yourself. If you're having like a difficult conversation with a spouse, you can use your intuition to navigate that difficult conversation. And like that to me is like such a valuable tool to have in your pocket. So that's the fourth piece I would say that leads to really being able to feel empowered and purposeful. Can I ask one more question about that? Of course. <laughs> yes. Opens up. Do you ever use your, and I think I know the answer, but I have a follow-up question after that. Do you use your intuition when playing the violin? When playing the violin? That's such a good question. I feel like it's not intuition exactly. Like it's, this, it's like, I have to really, and so I also tap dance and I kind of equate the two of them similar, like, you know, yeah. performance arts, right. Yeah. <clears throat> where, where what I do with those, it's like, I really want to practice so that I have the muscle memory. Right. And then when I have the muscle memory and then in the moment I can just like trust what's happening. Yes. 
And that to me is like a sort of distinct thing from intuition though. It's sort of like what I can do is like listen to my intuition if there's like something going on or if I need to like address something in my own life. Mm. But really what I do is like I, you know, try to regulate my nervous system for those experiences of performance so mm-hmm. that I can just be present. And then what I can do is use my intuition to like, you know, acknowledge myself and love myself no matter how it went. And like, I think that's where it supports me the most because, you know, I can just do a three minute tap performance and it feels like so insane because there's so many steps that we have to remember. And then at the end, just be like, okay, Nicole, like I use intuition to be like, I know who I am. However, that performance went, like, you know who you Mm. are. You're, you know, you're like, you're an awesome human. This is great. You did your best, you know? Yes. Yes. So my follow-up question then is how, if we're giving something tangible to the more practical singers here, what would be a little thing that they can start doing to practice that intuition in their singing practice or maybe even beyond? Mm -hmm. You know, I would actually take a little bit of time at the beginning of your practice to listen to what do you need to do that day. So rather than following exactly what you think you're supposed to do, or if you have like a whole rehearsal practice flow, listen to your intuition to be like, what do I actually really need to work on? And to actually follow that versus like the set way that you always do things. And you might be surprised by what you hear. Oh, I like that challenge. Okay. So we're challenging our listeners to do that for a whole week and see where that brings them. So just before practicing, listen to your intuitive voice. What do I need to do today? Or what do I feel called to do? And then see where that leads you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Nicole. Well, I can't wait to hear how that goes for everybody. Yeah, that's yes. Awesome. Keep us posted. Like, follow Nicole on Instagram and DM her, and then let us know how that goes for you. Thank you so much for sharing all the goodness of this conversation. I'm looking forward to re-listen to everything that you've shared because there's many, many beautiful things and powerful things you've shared with us. So thank you so much, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maggie. I appreciate that. And then for anyone out there who wants to also just know a little bit more if they're following their intuition, I have a little quiz. It's nicolesong.com slash intuition. And you can just take the quiz and get an assessment for where you're at with your intuition. And it's just like a fun way to be like, well, where am I at on the four different levels? Yes, we're going to link that up into the show notes as well so that people can do that. And maybe even do the quiz once at the beginning of the week and then Mm -hmm. do the little exercise we gave them and then do the quiz again at the end to see if that has improved. (laughs) I love that. Yes, I love that. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Nicole. It was a pleasure having you. Oh, Maggie, such a joy to be in your energy and on this conversation and sharing with your people. Thank you. I'm giving you a virtual high five. Wow, that was amazing. Was it just me or did that go by way too fast? Now, if you don't want to stop here and you want more singing tips, tricks, and exercises, head on over to www.singinginsiders.com. Also, if you liked and valued this episode, be sure to subscribe to this show, share it with your friends, and leave a review so that we can reach even more singers and spread the power of singing. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your enthusiasm and support. And I look forward to see you here again soon. Bye.